Greetings, listeners. Welcome to the Postgrad Cheat Sheet. This is the podcast where we dive into all the questions about transitioning into your professional career and all those difficult unspoken topics. My name is Dr. Maria Scott, and I'm a PR professional and a professor. Joining me is Ashley Osmecki, a senior PR major who's about to step into the real world. Welcome to the Postgrad Cheat Sheet. I'm Dr. Scott. I'm your host. My co-host is Ashley Osmecki, and today we're going to talk about keeping your personal life private. I'm going to start with a quick question for Ashley. How do you handle bad personal news at work? Is there any kind of examples, maybe your parents call, losing a family member, anything you want to share? So I think that my parents probably would not call me at work, knowing that it might like put me in distress. But I do remember actually when my grandfather passed away many years ago that they did not tell me because they knew I was at work, but my cousin texted me. I just called my mom. I told her, hey, I heard what happened. Like, I'm pretty sad about it, but I was the only person at work. Like, no one was in the restaurant. I had to be there, but, you know, it was definitely a tough day for me. Everyone handles stress differently and specifically loss is a big thing where some people really deep dive into work. They want to just focus on something else and they put off going through those stages of grief. Other people get really overwhelmed with their emotions. And I think because everyone handles it differently, there's really no right way to say this is the only way you can express yourself. But I will say that you do need to find a way to have a conversation with people so they know what's happening in your life and it doesn't seem like you're just holding things in. So I'm going to follow that up and say that I think you should ask yourself a couple questions. You know how I like these lists. First, the question I'd ask is, do you have anything big happening that day? Are you the only person at your work, like you said, or do you have a big presentation to a client coming up? Are you the only one who has this information and you feel like you can't really just pass that off to someone else? It's maybe not fair to them. So that would be question number one. Question number two is, do you feel like your focus is going to be pulled away from whatever you're doing? Maybe you're going to get a barrage of texts or phone calls from your family. Maybe the sadness is just too much for you. Maybe it was a sudden loss. All of these things can really impact. So I would ask yourself, is that going to make it preventative for you to stay at work? I think that a little bit of both is true and should be and should be considered. Like in that story that I shared, I was the only bartender and the only manager in the store. Like I was the only representative of um, the front of house there. So there was nobody who could come in. Like I had to work, um, but I was able to voice to like the people who come in for the evening shift. Like in that, in that day, I was working open to volume, meaning I worked both lunch and dinner. And but I just didn't have to stay until close. So I voiced to my team like what happened, and they let me go right after lunch shift. They they kind of figured it out. They they made it work for me and let me go home. So so it was nice. It was nice that they understood and accommodated me. But I did also have to push through the sadness and the situation of it. So I think communication's key in these. And since every situation's a little different. There might be moments where, especially in an office environment, you can say to your supervisor, is it okay? 
if I go home. And I think that having a phrase or sentences that you have kind of preset in your own mind, I know that I had a former student who was working in the professional world and they called me before the day happened. They said, I have someone in my family who I know isn't gonna be around much longer. They're dealing with a really serious medical condition. How should I handle this? And so we came up with a sentence that we kind of pre-wrote. She saved on her phone for when it happened. She then didn't even have to think about what to say. It was already preset for her. It kind of went something along the lines of, I just found out that I lost this family member. It was something that we were expecting, but I know that I'm going to get a series of phone calls. I'm going to get a series of comments from my family, things posted on social media. I do know that I have this big thing coming up today, this presentation that I'm responsible for. I'd like to do that, but do you mind if right afterward I go home because I feel like that's gonna be the best situation where I can manage these personal things in my life and still try to get some work done. If you don't have anything that you're doing that day where you're the only person doing it, I think it's totally fair to say, may I have a remote work day? That's something that in our culture now is a thing. I will be honest and say that in my day, that wasn't a thing that people could ask for as easily. So it had to kind of be a big circumstance. But I do think that knowing your limits and if you're someone who actually does better, just burying your head, doing that work that day and dealing with it later, you also have that option to just make sure that you're at least communicative to the immediate people around you and say, look, I'm going to stay at work. I can be focused. I do just want to let you know that I did get some bad news. I lost a family member today but I'm very confident that I can stay and work through the day. Yeah, I'm definitely a bury my head and work kind of person. So I might be doing that often, but yeah, I do think that it's circumstantial. And I think we're very lucky to be able to have the work from home situation. And like with all the technology and everything, like even if you need to take the whole day off and not work from home, you still have your cell phone. Like if you need to reach me for anything, but, you know, and I just need this time. But I think we're lucky in that sense, but it's definitely circumstantial and to make sure that we're doing things that we need to do and taking care of ourselves. I've received in 20 something years of working varying levels of news all the way down to my family dog had to be put down. And it was less of something where my mom wanted to call and tell me and more of just something where she was going through something that was very sad. I was really the only person that could comfort her or would be able to talk to her. So she did wait at least until my day was mostly done to have to share it with me, but it was something that I'm glad she did. I didn't leave my work at the time. I still finished a couple things that I was working on, but I'm glad she shared it with me because then I was prepared for when I did go home to be able to kind of comfort her and have that conversation. And I think it's really the key takeaway on this piece is definitely knowing how to communicate when something happens to your coworkers, to the people that are most impacted by your work and your ability to work or not ability to work, that you can communicate to them what you're going through so that they have a better understanding. Yeah, and I think um, I remember last episode we touched upon like getting emotional at work. And I think that that's something to uh, bring back up because you know hearing about something so tra- tragic or heartbreaking while you're at work you do need to you know we talk a lot about mental toughness too but you know something so tragic you just have to be human you do and I think that there's you know there's a fine line between taking a moment or saying look I'm going to need a couple minutes to collect myself 
And again, if you're not someone who's essential to the work that day, there's nothing wrong with saying, can I take a remote day and work from home? I promise I'll get work done. I just don't want to be crying at work or I don't want to be, you know, sitting at my desk having these memories at work. So I think that that's totally fine to say. You just kind of need to know your limits. And again, it comes back to being able to communicate with your coworkers. And that's where you also need to be careful of how much to communicate. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit later, but there is oversharing. And this is where you want to be careful you're not oversharing. Right. So there are a lot of topics regarding personal life at work that we can talk about. And I know that something that's really prevalent for people my age or younger is dating. I think a lot of young people can understand that it's not appropriate to talk about their dating life, especially with their bosses or colleagues. But I feel like there, I can imagine a scenario where I work closely with someone my own age and we are developing this friendship. So when like, maybe I want to talk to my friend about my dating life, but my friend is also my coworker. Like, should I be keeping that sort of stuff private, my dating life or my love life? I think that there's a couple situations that we can work through here, right? So let's do the scenario where this is someone who you just said you're developing a friendship with them. You don't know them super well, but you're getting to the stage where you do talk about a couple outside things here and there. Maybe you have a client and the client is a beauty client and you happen to talk about, oh, I like getting dressed up when I go out. And that's kind of where the conversations ended, but that's at least less work oriented and more about the rest of your life. I think you need to ask yourself the question, is this person someone who I can trust? Because that's a different level to me than just being someone who you work with and you're kind of friendly with. Trust indicates that now you're about to share personal private things. And you also wanna ask yourself, is this person someone who may view me as their future competition, who may use this against me someday? And I know that sounds like a really cynical question, to ask yourself, but I've actually seen it. I've seen where people have opened up and then had the things that they shared with other people come back to kind of hurt them. And so I would just put it out there as a small cautionary thing without scaring anyone. Not every one of your coworkers is gonna be looking for ways to backstab you every moment that they can, but know that it's something that may come up down the road is if you say, tell a coworker about the 12 dates that you've had, does that sort of then put you in a category of maybe being a serial dater or maybe being someone who's not as careful about the people that you're with and maybe that puts you in categories that can hurt you down the road. And I just want to, I want you to be careful about the kind of things that you're sharing with this newer person, which is different than when we talk about a scenario of someone who maybe you've known a little longer. I think that um, bringing up trust is a really good point because it's not just trusting that this person isn't going to say what I'm saying. It's trusting that this person isn't going to judge me or take the information and like you said, put me in a category. It's that kind of trust I think people don't focus enough on. Yeah, absolutely. So the second part of this is this person's gonna be giving you advice. And if they just met you, I don't know how well they really know you. And so to me, that's different than someone who maybe you've been working with and fostering a relationship with for years. That person would have heard you talk about Thanksgiving with your family, even if it's just a brief conversation. The fact that you like this beauty product and you wear it when you go out, or the fact that 
you know, you have a bunch of friends from high school who you go home and visit. So those are very different conversations. This is someone who's been collecting information about you over a long period of time and perhaps knows you better and can actually quote unquote, give you real advice that is valid for the questions that you're asking. And I think that's a very different situation. That person could also then be a real friend who would know you better and be able to give you better advice. Right. I think that's a really great point. And like, I think when we talk about people who we don't really know that well, and you can't really close that door once you open it, right? Like once you tell somebody about a situationship or a person that you're seeing or have a crush on, then that person will continue to wonder or want updates. Like people love the drama. They do. And you're right. It is Pandora's box. Once you open it, really hard to stuff that all back in and close that box back up because you've essentially given them the opening. And now maybe that person wants to come and chat with you about it every day. And you're like, well, wait, can we talk about work a little bit? And I think that that's where you just have to be really conscious about the conversations that you're having at work. Are you giving them fodder? to then be the person who's constantly bringing in drama, constantly be the person that everyone can talk about. Remember, not everyone has a super exciting outside life. Maybe you're gonna be the most exciting outside life of everyone, so then you're kind of the person that everyone ends up talking about. And to be fair, you kind of open that door to it. So you just need to be really careful that it doesn't become a habit And you wanna ask yourself also, is that person gonna give me better advice than maybe my own personal BFF? Like that person who's known me for years, outside of work, who knows the relationships I've had, that person has more of a history and can potentially give me better advice than this newer person who I just met at work. Yeah, I always have valued getting many different perspectives. Like I always like to hear different sides of things, but You bring up a great point that it is really important to take into consideration who is giving the advice and like if someone doesn't know you that well, how is that advice great? Or like it might be okay advice, it might be kind of blanket statement advice, but you know, to open yourself up to somebody for like a blanket statement advice that you can get so readily available on Instagram or anywhere else you know, is it worth opening that door? I'm not sure. I think that's a question a lot of people would have to ask themselves. And it's just, again, something for you to be thoughtful about. I think that's a little different than if you go to a coworker. So say a coworker at your office was talking about, oh, I'm excited to go to this dinner tonight because it's my 15 year anniversary. And we've been planning this, you know, we have babysitters or like whatever their circumstances are, but they just mention it at work. It's not a long conversation. It's just something you picked up on. That's very different than you going to them and saying, oh, Eliza, like, I remember you talking about your 15 year anniversary and maybe over lunch or over coffee today, when we go down to the coffee cart, you can share with me, like, what are some of your tips? How have you had such a successful relationship for so long? That's very different. Now you're honoring that person's relationship. You're still asking for advice. Maybe their tips are amazing. Maybe you know enough about Eliza to know that Eliza has some similarities to your personality. And maybe some of the tips that Eliza is gonna give you could be really useful for you to then have a fruitful relationship. That's very different than you saying, oh, Eliza, I just went on the date with this guy and he hasn't called me. Should I call him back? Like that's a very different conversation that you're having. And I think that that's where you need to know 
how to kind of phrase things and to, to relate to your coworkers and still seem humane and human, but maybe not be as quite as personal and still get something out of both sides. Yeah, and I think that it's better to not go down the, like start the conversation with like, hey, let's sit down and decipher these text messages from someone who I haven't heard from in two weeks. I, I'm very much like, hey, like you've been in this beautiful, successful relationship. Share me some of those tips and tricks. Like I think that's much more meaningful too. And doesn't quite open all of Pandora's box, maybe just opens like a tip, yeah. you know, lets a little bit of sun out. So I think in addition, you mentioned, you know, one of the things young people talk about at work is their relationships. I think the other thing that gets really tricky is politics and religion. And I'm surprised how often I see this in workplaces. And it's sort of shocking to me or dismaying to me how often this is a common subject matter. Yeah, I always thought that people would kind of stay away from like politics in the office. I know that you know, people with opposing views, they don't really want to stir up that conversation. I know that at my restaurant, we're literally not allowed to play the news because people will get into political conversations or, or this, these, and it just becomes uncomfortable sometimes. But I mean, it's also really important to talk about politics and stuff like that. So that line can kind of get blurred. And if you don't know people really well and you open up a, pol- a political conversation, it can get tough, you know, not everybody is watching the news all day. And, but I think that if you get caught in that kind of conversation, it should be okay to say like, I see where you're coming from, or I understand, but I haven't really read up on that topic or that event. So I can't really speak on it right now. Is that something fair to say? That's a wonderful example. And to be fair, I think it also kind of gets you out of having a deeper chat. The person may judge you a little for maybe not being as up on every single piece of news. I am okay with that. I have always been okay with that. To be fair, it's not even always truthful when I say it. It's mostly what I use to not get into a deeper conversation. Politics and religion have always made me extremely uncomfortable at work. It's not something I like to talk about. Not that I don't care about my own political views. I just don't wanna share them with other people. Also, not that I don't like to learn from other people. I just am selective who I learn from and not selective meanings, people who only agree with me. People who can have a nice civil conversation is who I choose to do this with. And that's my personal judgment. So everyone else is going to have a different level of civility and who they want to talk with. I just don't want it to have to be something I do in the office space. And I think that that's perfectly fine to say in this day and age that is an acceptable boundary to set. Same with religion. I don't think that you have to spend a ton of time talking about what you did at church this weekend, but it happens. Yeah, um, I think that you never know how passionate somebody is going to be about a certain topic when you get into a political conversation. So I like what you said about just even if you do know something, like maybe just kind of take a step back. And, you know, I like the example of, of somebody posting their like, I voted sticker. I think that, you know, like you should be able to post your I voted sticker, but you also don't need to feel like you have to say, follow up with four posts about who you voted and why you voted for them. You know, if you want to, sure, that's fine. I mean, I guess that's like outside the workplace, but I like that example of you can say, I'm, I am political. I care about topics, but you know, there's the boundary, there's the line, you know, but, and, and to your religion point, I, I agree. I feel like, you know, 
people shouldn't feel the need to bring it in, but I also feel like people shouldn't feel the need to stifle it themselves with that. Like, I think if someone wants to talk about what they did at church, sure, that, you know, that's great. Or if like fasting is coming up, you know, and they want to talk about it, or if it's time to prayer, I, I think that that should be accepted, but I'm not sure that's something that people need to be too private for, too private about or withhold that information. You know, I think, and it also comes down to a person's own comfortability with it all in the workplace. Yeah, so it's a great point. I think that if someone says, oh, this was what I did this weekend, I or I'm fasting right now, I think that there is a line between being respectful of someone's religious beliefs and choices, and then someone that's all that they focus on and that's the entire centerpiece of their conversation potentially for the whole day so it's one thing if someone says i'm fasting today i'm not going to be able to join you all for lunch and we're all very respectful we don't push the person to join us for lunch or kind of question why they're fasting or say you know something derogatory like oh that's a really old-fashioned thing to do you don't have to do any of those things i think it's perfectly fine to be very respectful of people's choices. I just also think it's very different when there's some people who that's sort of what their entire day will focus around. And I'll give you a quick example, but I had a coworker who sort of made the assumption that everyone was Christian and those the Christian holidays were what everyone did. So following a big holiday, from the moment we got into the office to the end of the day, it was going around every person. So what did you do for Easter weekend? What kind of food did you cook? How many family members did you have? And to be fair for people who either weren't Christian and didn't practice those beliefs, or for someone who just didn't want to talk about it, you were very much excluded from that person's vision that day. So the person was very social. The running joke in the office was also that it was this person's holiday hangover. And that entire day at work, they got nothing done. All they did was talk about the food, the family, the religious activities. And again, I have no problem when someone practices whatever they want to practice, that's fine. When it impedes the workspace, then it sort of became a little irritating because we probably lost that person for a good six to seven days a year just with their holiday hangover days. Also, like I said, there was three people in the office who did not practice any Christianity holidays. Uh, And then there was myself who just kind of abstained from conversation about it. So the seven of us were sort of like on a boat all by ourselves, where no one would talk to us or that person who engaged kind of everyone in the office. We were very excluded. And I definitely feel like it should be something where you're not being exclusionary to people Mm -hmm. who just choose not to have these conversations either. Yeah, I think that's pretty uncomfortable to kind of walk around and just assume everybody has celebrated Easter that past weekend. But, like, I think this actually wasn't on our list of things today, but, you know, something that's private that might come up in the workplace, too, is being hungover. Being hungover at work. Don't do that. But I don't know. We're also talking to people who are in their 20s, and it will probably happen. How are you going to maneuver around being hungover at work? Like, you can't tell anyone. You're not going to wear your sunglasses in the office all day, too. You know, like, that's another tough one that people should plan to navigate you know i do think so and i think that that falls into the category of like what's sharing too much and and not sharing enough i think that if you're going to be a responsible adult which is really what this has to fall under and then 
be expected to be working, you need to be able to manage those boundaries for yourself. And if you're someone who, when they fall into where they get to the state where they're officially hung over, like medically hung over, then you need to know how functional you really are and or functional you really aren't. And I think it also depends. So again, I come from a background where it's sports and special events. And in special events, sometimes you have to be at parties, like legitimate parties. You're either running them, you're working at them. But that also means that you can't be so excessive that then you literally come to work the next day in a state that makes you literally not functioning. And I've seen it. There were people who I would work with that were not on the clock. They were at a party that I had to be at because I was on the clock. I was officially working. But my coworkers would come, be off the clock, be having a gay old time, and then be completely non-functioning, even by 10 a.m. the next morning, where we had to be up and working and ready to go. And for those of us who can regulate ourselves to be able to be there and be professional enough to be working, it's kind of frustrating to carry someone else's weight when they don't know how to kind of manage their own personal choices. So I would say that it's it's a tough subject. There are a lot of people who you would never know, who don't have to wear the sunglasses that you mentioned, who wouldn't be as visible as my maybe former coworker where they were kind of non-functional for a good half the day afterward. There's plenty of people who can come to work, be functioning just fine, but I would say that that's really something you need to know about yourself because you definitely can't, like you said, come to work and have the glasses or come to work and have like these crazy drinks on your desk. And we people are like, hey, what's that all about? And you're like, oh, I'm hydrating because I'm hungover. Like that can't really be your answer. Yeah, I'm just imagining having like the coffee, the water, the Pedialyte. And you also have like a bacon, egg and cheese sandwich over here. And you got the sunglasses on like that just can't happen. You just need to know your limits and you know again everybody here knows that I come from the restaurant industry you know in every brunch shift the staff is you know a mess but that just can't happen in the professional world and I think a lot of it is about knowing your limits and and you know and you know god forbid it does happen be private about it and don't walk around the office screaming about how hungover you are just don't do that Yeah. And again, like, you know, no one's trying to be super judgmental in any work situation. I think that the frustration definitely on my part would come when then I'm carrying someone else because of their life choices. Now that directly impacts me and I'm doing not only my job, but part of someone else's job. There kind of becomes a moment where you know, I I don't mind doing my job. I don't even like helping to, I don't mind helping to compensate when someone else needs that help. But if you need the help because of your own poor personal choices, that gets a little frustrating on my part. I don't really want to go to work to have to babysit anyone. I want to give everyone the autonomy to do their work. And then it it becomes just a double-edged sword, right? That same person may come to me later and say, well, you're micromanaging me. And I'm like, oh, well, remember two weeks ago when you came to work and you weren't even functional? how can we trust that you can do both sides? So I think it just, you just need to be really, really careful. Yeah, I think it boils down to just like, you're allowed to do whatever you want to do outside of work. Just don't let that affect your work. Absolutely. So let's talk about being honest and vulnerable, which I feel like really parlays well, given what we were just talking about. Do you have a really good example of where you maybe had to be vulnerable at work? Yeah, I do actually. I had this... um, 
sort of group project that I was working on once and we had these deliverables and the person who was in charge of the deliverable and the person who was receiving the deliver I was sort of this middle person and we were behind on a deadline and I knew that they were disappointed in us and there's nothing worse than the I'm not mad I'm just disappointed nothing hurts more than that and I remember saying to the person waiting for the materials that like I'm so sorry like I kind of I didn't get emotional but you know I expressed that I'm sad that you are disappointed in us Mm -hmm. and the response just wasn't great it was kind of like you know you're being emotional and just get the things in and you know it just it wasn't it, it ended up not being great and I wanted to be more professional and I thought I was being professional with this person who I had worked with with in the past but I don't know maybe I was too vulnerable in that situation you said it made you feel not great like can you kind of expand on that do you feel like it was the right thing do you feel like you made a mistake I kind of do like I, I feel like if I didn't say if I didn't go back and say you know I'm sad that you both feel disappointed in us. Had I not said that, you know, I wouldn't have shown the vulnerability and then that person wouldn't have thought out loud to me, like, this is a little bit too much emotion for for the situation. And, you know, I wasn't crying, I wasn't screaming, I wasn't sending long texts. The sentence literally was, I'm sad that you are disappointed. And, you know, maybe that was too much vulnerability. Right, and I think that, you could have just said, I'm sorry that you feel disappointed in us. This won't happen again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you weren't adding in the emotional sadness part. I also think that to be fair, and we shouldn't be in a day and age anymore where this matters, but sometimes gender does come into play. Sometimes there are situations where people will look specifically to women or specific genders and say that they add too much emotion into the workforce. I don't know that that's a bad thing. I feel like the fact that you're able to express emotion is a positive thing. I just think you need to be careful on the moments when you're being vulnerable. Do you feel like if you had just said, I'm sorry that you're disappointed in us, this won't happen again, that would have been equally fine and maybe not had the emotional component? Yeah, I think that is probably what I should have said. Just, it won't happen again. Sorry, I know that you're disappointed. Um, Yeah. And it's hard because you care about what other people think. You want to be able to show that, but you just want to find that balance to showing it and still remaining professional. I'll give you a super fast example. I had a coworker who got in a really serious car accident on the way to work. For the fact that their car was completely totaled, they ended up being more or less fine. They didn't have any broken bones. They didn't have to spend more than like a quick checkup to be cleared. But their emotional state, they were very raw emotionally. A lot of times with accidents like that, it doesn't set in right away what you just survived. It kind of hit and washed over and they just completely fell apart. They were very vulnerable. And unfortunately they did it in front of a bunch of students which completely scared the heck out of the students. I actually got a text message from a student sitting in the class that said, I saw your car when I got here for class. Are you still on campus? you need to come to this classroom. This isn't a good situation. And that's a huge red flag for me. So of course I go into the class, I 
had all the students go take a 10 minute break, go get some snacks, get yourself a coffee. It was a night class, so they coffee was helpful. Like this wasn't a just waste your time sort of moment. So I sent them out of the class and I said to the professor, we have two ways that we can handle this. I feel like you're in an emotional state where you may be being too vulnerable in the middle of class and it's maybe impacting the students negatively. Do you want me to finish the class for you or do you wanna just end class and go home? And her response was, I definitely feel like I did scare the students. Let, let's let just have you finish up a conversation and like talk the students through what just happened so that they can learn from it and they understand. And I'm just gonna head out. I had no problem doing that. I was able to step in. It was subject matter that I was comfortable teaching. So it wasn't a huge problem for me. And to be fair, the students learned a really great lesson that day. They learned that even though physically someone may be okay, the vulnerability that that person probably should have said was, I feel like physically I'm fine, but mentally I don't know what's gonna happen down the road. Let me just have someone step in for me or let let someone just take over for the day so that I can make sure I really am okay, okay, okay. And that triple level of okay means that you're okay on every possible level. Yeah, I think that learning from vulnerability is a huge thing. Like, we don't tend to be vulnerable on purpose. And, like, in my example, like, I didn't really think through so much that, like, I'm sad text. But, you know, I learned from it. I learned that just maybe I can tell that person I'm sad in a different circumstance. But from what that was, you know, I learned from that. And I'm glad that those students in your story learned from this and and that um, your coworker also learned from it. I think that that's huge. I think that that's a good place to kind of end for the day and to leave with the final thought of now that you've learned from that instance, you absolutely in the moment could have said, I'm sorry that you're disappointed, this won't happen again. And then after the project was completely finished and over, that's where you can go back and say, it made me so sad when you said that you were disappointed in us. I know it wasn't the appropriate time at the moment to express that this really did impact me, but I'm learning from it. And I learned that that was hard for me to hear and it made me really sad in the moment and it did push me to make sure I finished this and was professional in the way that I finished it. But you can be vulnerable sort of after the fact and sort of share that that happened and then everyone learns at that moment as well. Yeah, I think that's, those are kind of the big takeaways here too, you know, like know who you're speaking to and keeping things private within reason. Right. And just learning how to communicate your boundaries and learning how to communicate the things that are important to you when they happen so that your, your coworkers understand the journey that you're on. Cause this is a journey. It's a journey about what you need to share at work, what you need to keep private, what happens to you in your life and how all these things balance together. So thank you all for joining us for this episode. And we hope that you stay engaged with us on social media. Yeah, thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us for the Postgrad Cheat Sheet. Click in our description and visit the website to see our upcoming topics so you can submit your unspoken questions. Connect with us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Postgrad Cheat Sheet.